won't stop firing. I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like literally green. My last nav check put me on the range point four. This is control. Be radio. Keep calm and remain on the guard frequency. Greetings, Sips and Sibs. You've tuned to the Guard Frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 77, was recorded June 19th and made available for download June 23rd at guardfrequency.com. I'm Jeff. I'm Lennon, and unfortunately Tony can't be with us this evening because, as he discovered, handcuffing yourself to a badger is actually incredibly easy. So instead we have the best damn space sim podcast community manager ever, Mr. Justin Lomaster. Say hello to the boys and girls. Hello, boys and girls. And why don't you tell them what we have this week? Well, in this week's Squawk Box, we find some sweet hacks for the real-life FPS module. In CIG News, we bring you our weekly crowdfunding update. Chris's video for the E3 PC Gaming Conference, Around the Verse, episode 49, and our favorite bits from the Scythe Q&A. In this week's Nuggets for Nuggets, <laughs> Jeff, put those toys down. You've been told about this already, and I don't want to retaliate. Anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah. Finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in on the conversation. Sits and Sivs, you can help us bring you more of the show you love by visiting our website, guardfrequency.com, and clicking on the Patreon button. For the low, low price of $1.25 per episode, you can become a backer and get access to the unedited recordings of the show a whole four days before our Tuesday release. Of course, we're happy to share our labour of love with you each week free of charge, but it is nice to get the occasional concrete reminder that folks out there in the verse love listening to the show as much as we love making it. We want to thank the folks who have already chipped in, and we hope you consider making a regular contribution. The more support we get the better show we can make that takes care of the housekeeping so let's get on to the show and see what's coming through this squawk box any of you boys need a carrier around here uh everything's under control situation normal crypto 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 this is lennon saying welcome to the squawk box everyone as tony's not here and i'm in charge tonight i'm just gonna get it out of the way early where the f- is the first person shooter module well, if Tony were here, he may say it's as a result of the netcode, or that they're trying to make the start-stop juke tech sorted. After all, Chris wants this to be the most realistic space sim ever, and that extends to our FPS avatars. Well, Chris may want to pay attention and have a rethink on this next part. Scientists at the US Army Research Lab are currently testing out a carbon fiber exoskeleton arm, originally designed to help stroke victims rehabilitate, to help stabilize a soldier's arm and help them aim more accurately. The Mobile Arm Exoskeleton for Firearm Stabilization, better known as its acronym MAXFAS, essentially operates much like a Steadicam does for video cameras. Using a series of small sensors and microchips, they process data collected from the wearer and a complex array of mathematics applies a small amount of force to counteract your dodgy aim. To quote Dan Beechel, lead investigator on the MAXFAS, it provides a level of stability for your entire arm during the critical moments of aiming and shooting. The exoskeleton senses tremors in your arm that you probably don't even realise exist. The control algorithms for the device dramatically reduce the shake without locking your arm in place. 
Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we found a way to add auto-aim to real-life combat. Fortunately though, right now the enemies of the state won't be able to cry out hacks, as this super soldier exoskeleton currently has to remain firmly tethered to the PC that runs the calculations. However, Beechel and his team are hard at work on a mobile version that can be worn by combat soldiers on the battlefield to actively improve shooting and performance. Something that I kind of hope they would have solved by 2945, so if you're listening Mr. Roberts, it might be time Time to stop working on the realism and start adding in more aimbots. Pretty soon it'll be like Geneva Convention 2. It'll be like, they keep 360 no scoping. <laughs> yeah, complaints of hacks at the G8 summit and things like that. You gotta admit though, the, the tech is pretty interesting. It's amazing that we have crawled out of the mire and started using bones as our first weapons, and now we're up to carbon fiber exoskeletons. <laughs> external bones yeah yeah it's pretty interesting i guess whatever advantage you can get right well yeah and that's the thing is that something like this really would give you the edge if you can run through the battlefield aim up and then you've got the steady cam type aiming in place you're going to have that advantage over your enemy regardless so yeah at the moment it's only being used to train soldiers what they found is that if they put this exoskeleton on and a soldier because they've got to remain close to the pc uses it for so many hours a day that it just naturally reduces the amount of tremor and they get more used to the perfect spot framing so even right now this is being used to help train the forces to better use their weapons but the ultimate goal here like they were saying is to have the full exoskeleton that can be deployed onto a battlefield so yeah and i also think that that would possibly go quite a way to intimidating the enemy if you see a guy running at you with effectively full carbon plate armor that has some series of auto-aim, that's got to be demoralizing, surely. And there could be a stroke victim, too, because that's what Zerzli for. It's like, not only are they shooting me with this anything, it's, it's even a stroke victim. Yeah, yeah, so they've... Uh, <laughs> that's yeah, probably wow. inappropriate. That's right. I, I, I suppose it's better than playing Don Quixote and tilting at windmills. <laughs> <laughs> it most certainly is. Well, have you read, seen, or heard something you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. But now let's check out some CIG news. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach, trigger screen, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Our crowdfunding update for the 19th of June is $84,200,000, up approximately another 150 k Number of star citizens is 912,500, up another 3.5k, so close to the 100k mark there. And the members of the UEE fleet has grown to 727,300, again, up about another 2.5k from last year. I think they're just waiting on a ship concept sale to really get those numbers up. What will it be? Mm -hmm. For many gamers, E3 this year was a heck of a show. Whether you're looking forward to the Final Fantasy VII HD remake, Fallout 4, yes please, or the Xbox One Elite gamepad, you're bound to have something for you. I just realized you can play Elite Dangerous on the Elite Gamepad, Eliteception. Traditionally, E3 has been largely a consoles-only affair, but this year, PC gaming had its own stage spot. And how can anyone talk about PC games without mentioning Star Citizen? Although Chris couldn't be there, he sent a video that shows the work currently taking place at Ealing Studios in London, the motion capture. In a short two-minute video, we get to see some pretty impressive shots of some motion capture in action that will ultimately bring Star Citizen and Squadron 42 truly to life. Someone mentioned a while back on one of the shows that there was 
motion capture of somebody throwing up. So that's going to be in there. That would be pretty funny. Yeah, I often wonder with that particular one if there was an actual gameplay need for that or whether they thought, you know what we should do? We should just film a guy vomiting. You know, that's going to be good use of mocap money. There was definitely a lot of leaping and prop weapons and running about. Halfway through the video, you had a, a shot of a guy who he just jumps off of sort of like a, a seven foot tall structure and practically clotheslines another guy who's just stood there. I'm wondering if they were trying to simulate an explosion or whether that was something more like a, a vandal leap onto a character because when you think about it they're doing mocap at the moment yeah it's all for the humans but surely the alien races will also need to use the same modeling the same rig yeah it didn't look like a normal thing a person would do so maybe yeah it just didn't quite look explosion okay now we get on to the really good stuff (laughs) episode 49 of around the verse has been released and ben is still running solo as sandy is in the uk doing mocap this episode features the uh Usual assortments of goodies, reports from each of the studios, interviews with the devs, and our favorite segment, Ship Shape, with Lisa Ohanian. This week, Lisa talks all about Anvil Aerospace and its style guide that the artists follow when creating Anvil ships, during which we see our first solid look at the F-8 Lightning. Now let me just say, this ship is gorgeous. You need to watch this. Very little is known about the F-8 Lightning, and it got mysteriously lost when the ship specs pages changed. But we managed to dig a copy of the old page. To quote the missing page, designed as the next generation super space superiority fighter, particularly with fighting the Vandal in mind. The F-8 Lightning is a more nimble, more heavily armed fighter craft than its F-7 predecessor. Discarding the second turret for more fixed weaponry, the Lightning is designed to take out any target that is in front of it. And it's easy to get a target in front of it. Of course, all the ship specs are subject to change, even more so with CIG taking the specs down. But overall, this does point to good things coming to the fans of the F7's bigger, meaner brother. Yes. I want F6, and I want to name it Quick Save, and an F9, and name it Quick Load. <laughs> oh, that's terrible, shape. We shouldn't get you on as a host. You just pun all your way through. <laughs> But yeah, so um, Jeff, obviously you can see here the F-8 Lightning. Give us your first thoughts on it. This ship looks mean. I would not want to be on the business end of this thing. I want to be on the trigger end of this thing. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. For those of you who haven't seen the F-8 Lightning yet, the best way to describe it is if you took a Hornet, you got rid of the central ball part of it, made the whole front end just look a little bit more grisly and mean, and slapped a ton of armoured plating on it. That's what the F-8 Heavy Fighter looks like. We'll have a picture of it in the show notes. Not to mention all the weapon mounts on this thing. If I count... Two under the wing, two under the nose, so that's two, four, six fixed weapon mounts, and I think I see one above the wing. Yeah, there's definitely one above the wing there as well. You've also got the two missile racks on the very top. This will be in my hangar. (laughs) I can tell you now. If it looks as good as it does now, and they don't change the specs much, this will definitely be in my hangar. It looks a lot like the Avenger, except the Avenger's like, I'm nice, I'm gliding through space. And F.A.'s like... I'm going to punch you in the face. Yeah, seriously. If the Avenger was, you know, is super slick and streamlined and just, like you said, looks very nice and pretty, the F-8 is it's kind of like a wasp. I know we use space wasp to reply to Hornet, but it has that mean, angry look about it that just, you know, if you were to see that silhouette that you're in trouble. Or hopefully if that silhouette's kind of, you know, part of your wing, you know you're safe. 
One thing that I thought was worth mentioning, though, Jeff, uh, especially for you and your wallet, was in Reverse Diverse episode 51, they were saying that they don't want to do any concept ship sales until they've figured out the FPS module because they don't feel it's fair to keep delaying it whilst effectively demanding more money. And this is the first time that we've really seen this ship, any shots of it whatsoever. So I think it's probably a really good point in the ship pipeline that they've got enough art and assets in order to create the 3D visual mock-up like this, which has formed part of the style guide. I reckon if I were a betting man, this would be the next ship concept sale. So when the FPS module gets released, Jeff, have your wallet on standby, because I reckon that you'll be able to pick up one of these then. I reckon so. I did tell you I, I, I bought a Cutlass Red, didn't I? Uh, yeah, yeah, you did. How are you getting on with that? Have you, have you flown that yet? No, I haven't flown it yet. Oh, okay, okay. But yeah, you're going to be our ambulance driver, I believe. Yeah. Which, now that I've said it out loud. <laughs> well, I, I figure I'm going to be more of the protector. You know, you guys fly right. the ambulance out. I'm going to be sitting in one of these puppies looking for trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you can go out with this and shoot people, and then we can come along with our ambulance and patch them up. It's a win-win scenario. No, 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 no. We we got we to gotta maintain our rep, you know, and we don't cause trouble. We're just there to pick up the pieces. Yeah, I like that. We should put that on a badge or on a patch. Yeah, there you go. Ooh, a patch. I'm also curious to see the specs. Because I want to know what other possible roles it could be. Could it be a, a heavy frontline EM countermeasure? Does it have enough armor to take a pounding? What could I use it for in data collection? How fast is it? That kind of stuff. So I really am interested in this ship and seeing more specs on it. Yeah, it does look good. And again, this is, like I said, I don't usually go in for military ones, but this one does look really nice. I am wondering about the uh, possibility of a second seat because there's a particular Hornet that's got the second seat, hasn't there? The F7. The Ghost? The Ghost, yeah, where you've got the second seat on there. I'm wondering if a second seat is going to be more standard on this because it's designed to take over from the F7 in kind of like all of its forms. And I'm sure CRG will put out variants because that's what they like to do. Right, but right. we've not had any indications that there are any variants variants of the F8. So if it's supposed to replace the F7, as it were, then hopefully that'll have a second seat. The more I talk about this and the more I think about it, I'm now actually wondering, if this were to come out, where would the F7's place be? Is it just like a cheap version of it that's not quite as heavily armored? Well, is it a medium fighter, the F7, or is it classified as a light fighter? It depends on... Right, of course. So eventually we're going to have carriers, right? Yes. And so we're going to want to stock those carriers with a bunch of different ships that fill different roles so if the f7 is like a cat fighter kind of like this f18 super hornet this is a medium range all around you're not going to get my ship kind of plane where the f22 raptor i think is more of a heavy fighter right okay you know where that that is going to go out and and be the front line attack craft that's the kind of roles i see of these different ships you know if the F-7, for example, is a light fighter, you may take a pack of these and go attack a target because a wolf pack right. of, of nimble, fast ships are going to be something that you're going to want to have as a pack hunter. Right, gotcha, gotcha. So rather than sort of defense of the carrier, you can go and actively seek out targets on the 
battlefield or whatever you call it in space. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, and especially if it has precedent in real world usage at the moment. Especially if you know you have the mixture. I was just kind of hoping because as I was talking about it, the more and more I thought, well, if this is going to replace the F seven and this is going to replace it, I was just hoping it's not going to be a military only thing. I mean, that doesn't mean that we can't still fly them. We'll have to steal them. Yeah, I hope so too. I I would hate to see a ship like this being reduced to just military only use i mean that's you know i i've got some good ships i mean i got a gladius i have a super hornet i've got an avenger i mean each one has their own roles to play but i don't have a heavy fighter and um i want it i want it bad <laughs> except we'll start saving up those dollars jeff because i reckon that I, you know it's going to be really hard because i i know a lot about combat and space tactics because of all the space sim games i played throughout the years and stuff so it's going to yeah. be really hard for me not to want to be the CIC and direct the battle line and actually being on the battle line. Yeah. So are you going to be the uh, space equivalent of a backseat driver? Is yeah. that it? You're going to be out on the ship with like, Control, you need to be doing this now. You need to be yeah. doing that. Turn left. Bring Alpha Squad up to the red line. <laughs> <laughs> of course, though, in action movies, when you see that, you know, it's usually the hero that's out there doing that, isn't it? Mm-hmm. They're the one who's kind of like, General, we don't have time for this. Rah, 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 rah. So, yeah, I don't know. You might be able to play a role as a hero there, Jeff. I don't know. I don't want to be a hero. I just want to be a pilot. That's also what the heroes say, you know sort of just doing my job are no concept shales before the release of the fps module a good thing or a bad thing it is something people bring up i think it just boils down to the age-old reply of the people working on this aren't the people working on that if it was me and i said okay we're going to hold off selling any ships before then but here's what we're working on and here's what you can buy once we open up the floodgates again so you know and that would give people more of a chance to actually pick what they want to spend their money on I hate this idea of a single concept ship coming out. I have to choose whether to buy it or not, but I may want it later. I don't know what else is coming down the pipeline. I want to save my money. You know, not everybody's got disposable income. You know, that is actually a really good point. I don't know why they don't tell us what their intended schedule is for the concept ship sales, because like you said, it allows people to pick and choose what they want to buy and, more importantly, save up. You know, if it's one of those $800 ships, right, right. then, yeah, absolutely. They should, they should totally do this, Jeff. We should let them know. I love the game that we're building. The thing of it is, is that I don't want to have a hangar full of ships that every other Joe Moke out there has. I, I want to build my hangars out to be what I like. And it would be nice to know that in their release schedule, they've got a concept ship coming out. Oh, that looks pretty good. But, oh, the next one looks awesome. That's the one I want. Yeah, they usually do say it in advance. Yeah, but it's only one ship. And then we debate the qualities of that ship. And and when I debate it, it's based on my personal preference, like that minor ship that came out. Okay, it was a minor ship. Not going to get any money out of me for that. I would have, but, you know, no money. Literally, both of you there have brought up exactly what a lot of the issue is, is that, like you said, ship, you know, you kind of need... Or not not you specifically, sorry, I'm not picking on you here, but one requires time to potentially save up for the bigger ships. And like Jeff was saying, you know, at least that way you can see, oh, well, yeah, the Orion's not for me. I'm not really fussed on the Hole. Reliant, maybe. The F8 Lightning. Now we're talking. (laughs) I think it would overall just give the potential backers the the buyers of it just more to look forward to, you know, so you can see, oh, yeah, okay, we're having this on X date, this on X date, this coming up afterwards 
and something like being able to know when this F8 heavy fighter will go on sale because I'm quite looking forward to it myself and I don't usually go in for the, the heavy combat ships but the way this one looks is amazing. Oh I know. Also from Around the Verse episode 49 comes news that we'll be seeing Arena Commander patch 1.2 before we see the release of Star Marine. Patch 1.2 is a full balance pass on all the weapons and items and missiles. There were a lot of bug reports that were brought up, especially on the forums about people saying how missiles and the countermeasures for missiles just were almost bordering on unplayable with the issues surrounding them. There's no word yet on a release date, but it should be coming to a launcher near you soon. And following on from their recent successful series of Q&As this week, we have one on the Vandal Scythe. Yes, the Vandals have kind of taken over CIG at the moment. I'm wondering if it's part of a preemptive invasion on their part. Anyway, from this Q&A, we learn that as the ship is a captured Vandal ship that's been retrofitted, it comes with a patented glitchy HUD. Now, we've probably all seen the videos out there of the HUD in action. It's been replaced by the human-made OS, which has been sort of crowbarred in there. And the way that it currently works is every time your ship takes damage or gets hit in any way so if you accidentally knock into an asteroid the HUD is uh, liable to glitch if it's been knocked enough and briefly translate back into the Vandal native HUD on there they were asked if this would happen on licensed ships like the Xi'an Scout but we won't be seeing that on there because those ships have been officially made and modded in in conjunction with the Xi'an but any ship that is self-modded by the humans for example the Bannon Merchantman that might well come with this glitchy HUD we also find out that gameplay using IFF beacons and transponder codes looks to be pretty interesting. They were asked if the UEE Navy are likely to shoot a scythe on site if they see the silhouette coming, and we're told that through the use of IFF codes and transponders you can identify yourself, and if you identify as being a human registered pilot, the UEE Navy won't shoot a scythe on site, but that's not to say that players won't immediately see your outline in your silhouette and will just try and blow you out of the sky. This IFF system also applies if you're going to try and sneak behind enemy lines. As you're approaching the enemy lines, obviously you want to be broadcasting the transponder code that says, hey, I'm actually a vandal. And hopefully they won't see through your lies and they'll let you just fly straight on through. And it looks like IFF and transponder codes are going to be a big part of the end universe. Well, of course, it's a big part in today's modern air warfare. Yeah, absolutely. So why wouldn't it be? I mean... I expect it to be more sophisticated than it is today because it's, you know, three, four hundred years in the future. But still, it is a big part of air combat. What do you think the chances are of a vandal faking a human signature and trying to come through the front lines? Well, I think that's pretty good because all it takes is a captured ship or so and then they've got a transponder. And now if they're good enough at the tech, they can probably recreate those. I think that would be a pretty big gameplay thing if you were sat around just idly on terror. And the next thing you know, a Vandal ship sort of flies through and tries to take you out. The other thing about the Vandal Scythe as well that they've said is that they've got the big wing that's on the side because they're kind of uh, asymmetric and they've got the big wing on the side that is a gigantic blade. Right now that's not really in use, it's non-functional, but they are working hard on making it act like a proper blade and have the AI actually start using it in Arena Commander to ram you and to try and, you know, cut your ship as you're flying. So Jeff, I just want to point out, if those tactics are good enough for the Vandal, they're damn well good enough for me in Hornets versus Mustangs match. It's funny that they are trying to make the AI do it. The AI already does it. Yeah, but they don't do it on purpose, you know. (laughs) But now it's time for news we didn't use. (laughs) 
10 for the Artist, Episode 3, All You Need Is A Lot Of Time, and Space Magic. For the next week, we can test drive all the flyable ships, including my favorite, the 315P, because that's the only one I've ever flown, pretty much. Box Meshes! Episode 4, Fantastic Featurette, featuring Fixing Fun Physics. Cups. The Plain Truth clinical trial. Is McQuaid telling the truth, or is it just another conspiracy theory? Meet the CIG Devs, episode 30, featuring Kieran Davis, 3D artist at CIG. Jump Point is now available for all you lucky, lucky subscribers. Reverse the Verse, episode 52, featuring Jurassic World, Dragonfly variants, and Lisa making inappropriate jokes. Yeah, if you've not checked out Reverse of Verse 52, I would recommend you go and do it, not just for the inappropriate moments. There's a few good tiny, tiny bits of information about the damage states on the FPS module that we have covered here before on Guard Frequency, but if you just want a quick reminder, episode 51 and 52 are really good places to go and get that. And that brings us to this week's community question. The concept ship cells being put on hold before the release of Star Marine. Is this a good thing? Do you want to see a schedule of the upcoming ship cells so you can better plan your finances? Or do you think it's actually great that they've paused it until we know where Star Marine is? Let us know your thoughts. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. Now that we're all caught up with the latest news from around the verse, I am going to go play with my spaceships. Pew pew, pew pew, in nuggets for nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, nuggets. Fly through space with a friend in the latest changeomorph ship, the Miscreant. Incoming Vanta, time to morph. Changing to vertical combat mode. The pilot can turn faster to bring your guns to bear while the gunner in the second seat takes aim in vertical mode. Target the void bomber first. It's going after the fuel station. Eat the light, light fires, Vandal Slime. Transform back to horizontal mode to travel faster when time is of the essence. We've got to make this delivery to the Imperator. He needs his blue milk for lunch. Morphing back. Let's get out of here. By the power of Grayskull. It's an asteroid field, diverting power to the Omnithrusters. Keep dodging. I'll use the tractor beam. It will move asteroids out of the way. Wait, does it work like that? I don't care. It does if I want it to. The Changeomorpher Alliance has Xeon Tech Action. Add more xenobiological variety to your playtime fun. You can also get the news crew and research editions, each with their own different crew to mix and match whoever you want in the two seats. To infinite, infinite space and beyond! New from Takiyatsu Kids. Confronting an actual Vandu Void Bomber using a Miscreant is not recommended and may result in negative side effects. Symptoms may include fire, explosions, and shrapnel in your face. In many instances, death may occur. Consult your personal tactician. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendlies! So let's just be friendly! Some say I enjoy the sound of nails on a chalkboard, and I once mailed a photo of a chicken to ex-president of Yugoslavia, Slobodan Milosevic. But all I know is I'm called the Shiv and I help put together this week's feedback. The community question last week was, what's your preferred type of starship combat, submarines and tall ships in space, or are you just hoping for a screen door on your battleship? Ken from Chicago writes in and says, Babylon 5 and Battlestar Galactica set the standard for space combat with fighters and capital ships. 
the individual space fighters should treat capital ships like they're relatively standing still in midair, as it were, a la fighters attacking sea ships or bases, and capital ships should mostly ignore the fighters. Kang Jemin Lung says, Having played such games as Silent Hunter 3 and Empire Total War, I honestly prefer classic tall ship naval combat. Sean Newboy, when it comes to capital ships, my feelings lean toward the anime style. Big weapons lighting up the sky and fighters hoping to get hit with missiles so large the fighters smeared on them they don't even detonate the missiles. Great show everyone. Personally, I'm just not impressed with the Vandal ships. They just don't have good aesthetics. Haiku Knives writes in and says, The battleship versus submarine idea is a bit of a false dichotomy. Just as the wet navies have different engagement tactics for different ships and targets, so should the Star Citizen Capital Plus sized ships. For example, a javelin-class destroyer bristling with turrets may bring her incredible girth into spitting range, whereas an Idris-class frigate may run as silent as possible, scouting and harassing with the fighter complement until something is in range of her massive railgun. As for me, I take the third opinion of the carrier group style. I aim to send out just the right type of small craft to bring down prey of all sizes and have close support in the form of either area denial turrets or support craft. Amontillado. I don't think that capital ships will be particularly analogous to submarine warfare, with that role being handled by ships like the Retaliator. Tall ships are probably a better fit, with the maneuvering for broadsides and pounding at each other, along with a heavy dose of fleet maneuvering. We're talking about the cinematic battles as seen in Star Wars and Battlestar Galactica. The cap ships appear in the battle space and the maneuvering therefore is slow and deliberate, with the smaller fighters zipping all about. I'm really looking forward to finding out how this all shakes out. Osteron, good show. I tend to prefer the surface ship style combat in space. The submarine paradigm is great for increasing tension and storytelling, but it feels like the all or nothing scenario. The first ship to find the other one is just the flat out winner. In game terms, I feel like that would translate into the pilot and the ECW person being the ones doing 90% of the work, and the weapons person just wakes up to hit a torpedo launch button if when their ECW operator finds a target. The surface ship battles involve exchanging salvos and progressively damaging the target, allowing for more crew to get involved in repairs, damage, operating multiple weapons, etc. Benu says, I'm looking for screen door on a submarine, as in, that's as useful as a screen door on a submarine. In the previous space game I've played, capital ships are either targets that you defend or they're targets that you attack, and I like that. While I know there are a bunch of star citizens that just can't wait to crew the really big ships, I just can't wait to see the really big ships go boom in my crosshairs. From a tactical perspective, it almost seems like the current carrier battle groups. You can't hide them, so everything revolves around protecting the carrier at the centre and using the fighters and bombers on the carrier to keep the fight away from the carrier. Your other cap ships primarily provide more places to put turrets to defend from enemy fighters. I would imagine that if your destroyers get close enough to trade broadsides with an enemy, then lots of expensive capital ships are going to go boom. Ditterbug writes in, I'd like to see a third option. Capital ships would never have the stealth to hide like submarines, and it would not be bound by wind and short weapons range that frame tall ship battles. David Weber's Honorverse would be a great model to build from. Capital ships protected by massive shields and point defense systems defending against multi-ton missiles. The shield operators need to determine what incoming missiles are real and what are EW ghosts to put power to the shield where it would do most good. You're right that a fighter attacking a capital ship directly would be suicide. They would screen their ship from torpedo ships and ECM craft. A lot of good discussion, but 
a lot of people forget that Chris has already done this. If anybody's played Wing Commander, part of the ending missions was to, to jump in your bomber and, and launch torpedoes at a capped ship. And it worked. It worked out really well. I mean, you had enemy fighters buzzing around and you had other NPCs battling them. And, you know, you had to get a clear line of shot and get your torpedoes in play. After the show last week, I wasn't too excited about the analogies used, but they did bring up a couple of good games or good shows. I mean, TV shows are not really a good example of good gameplay. Yeah, because they're done for cinematic flair, aren't they? Right. But however, Babylon 5 and Battlestar Galactica both did capital battles really, really well. Nothing like a base star shooting tons of nuke at a battle star and them taking a hit. But the ship was built to take a hit. Yes, it suffered damage, but it still survived and, and continued on. So, you know, it's there are good examples. And I think, though, that, that with Chris's experience in, in Wing Commander and other games, that they'll do the big battles pretty well. I did like what Dederberg brought up there about the Honorverse, um, the uh, Honor Harrington series of novels, which are uh, really, really good sci-fi novels. If you've not checked them out, uh, Jeff, I think you would particularly enjoy them, where with their capital ship, combat what he was saying is that it largely relies on keeping the shields up as long as possible which is when you think about it it's probably likely to be more literally realistic in that in real life space combat the way it would probably play out is two ships would sit at opposite edges of the system and just long range bombard each other there's very little need to actually get up there you know in each other's faces but like you were saying that doesn't make for good gameplay and i think that's where cig and chris particularly in the past with wing commander has been really good at drawing the line between this is fun gameplay and this is more for realism purposes and yeah much like you i have no doubt that he will pick the best solution for it one of the things that i actually didn't like about the total war series and i'm a huge fan of the total war series i did not like their implementation of toolship combat because to me it just wasn't a fun way to play because it largely relied on in most cases the luck to be in the right position at the right time and and hope that things like the wind don't change now obviously in space we don't have well we have solar wind but you know there's not the same level of wind that would affect tool ship combat but i personally think if they were to model it more like that it would lead to more depressing gameplay especially with yeah, the broadsides and, and you mentioned the books when i was a kid i read you know the entire horatio hornblower series and nothing but descriptive sea battles in those books i mean attacking this way going along broadsides you know coming about i mean it was just you know pages and pages of tactical maneuvering to get a single volley off for example I, I mean it's great when you see visually two miles long capital ships pass each other and and these broadsides go off I mean they're I can just picture it in my head but I'm not <laughs> sure how realistic that is as much as I love the Honorverse series and the Lost Fleet books which are also really good one of the big things in there is light speed how you can't see something until it's happened 20 minutes yeah. later that wouldn't be fun okay I fired my missiles I'm gonna get some tea and check back <laughs> in 20 minutes and see if we hit him. Well, no, because we've got so. time compression, isn't it? It's on a 3 to 1 ratio or whatever they said. So, yeah, you, you could you could go and boil the kettle at least, though. I, I, yeah, I don't know if that's realistic because I imagine that to move a ship, just like in Battlestar Galactica when they needed to spin up their jump drives and stuff, it took all the ship's power, and you can't power weapons and shields 
when you're trying to you know run a jump drive so I don't know that that's going to play a factor so much in, in a battle like that. Yeah, and it seems like most of the listeners do sort of agree that the way that capital ship fights are likely to be is they'll both take a position on the battlefield and then it will be the job of the fighters to try and keep the actual fight as far away from their capital ship as possible, which, you know, I think that that would still provide a lot of good gameplay and combat, so... Anyway, moving on, in general show feedback, Dedabug continues and says, Your show got me thinking about roles on multi-crew ships and how they could become a specialisation. If you decided that you enjoy electronic warfare or turrets or power management on a mining laser, there should be a way for you to show your proficiency. It would be pretty darn cool to have rankings in all the ship roles, leaderboards for the EW operator, tractor beam operator or fastest cargo handler, and just like NPCs, you can charge a higher price to be hired out. It would make sense that a player who is highly ranked in turrets would earn more when hiring on to man a turret on an organization's hull E. I really enjoy piloting ships in Star Citizen, but I know I will never be a great fighter pilot. I'm looking forward to the first person world of Star Citizen, but I know I will never be any good in FPS. But damn it, I may be the best darn luxury cruise ship emergency toilet plunger the world has ever seen. Yes, if you have toilets, you're going to need plumbers. And he adds a little footnote, yes, I know the current flight model isn't perfect, but it's a hell of a lot better, in my opinion, than ED. I am totally against leaderboards. I really am. I get up, I go to work, and no one's, I mean, other than my boss and maybe my agency uh, may be ranking me on my skills, I'm really not posting the day's uh, wins and losses that I've done in my job to some post to have me ranked in my job skill every day. You know, I've spent years being an IT guy and I'm judged based on my years of experience, the jobs that I do, and that carries some weight. But not that I, you know, squashed three viruses this morning and by lunchtime I had the network coming around with smooth packets and no collision. Yeah. In, in this type of game, I'm really against leaderboards. It's like, okay, so I plunged a toilet very well today. I got a rank. Yay. <laughs> How would you feel if it wasn't an active leaderboard? Like, because at the moment, you know, you're kind of picturing, I guess, you know, the Jeffatron 3000 right. with position number one, blah, 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 position two, blah, blah, blah. If it was something more like there was a leaderboard mechanic in the background, but I don't know, say you'd be at a space bar and you'd hear NPCs say things like, oh, yeah, have you heard uh, Jeff McComb is the number one toilet plunger in this part of the galaxy? You know, something like that where it's more in-universe more in flavor rather than a direct list how would you feel about that here's what i think i expect if i'm hiring somebody i would look at their resume right and they would have references i i would do the same things that i would do today to hire somebody i would look at the resume i would check the references you know that's part of being a realistic mmo and that's what i would do also i would call up my peer and say hey look hey i got this guy have you ever heard of him um that's what i do now i call up my peers i talk to other it managers i talk to people that are specialized in their field that i happen to work with or know of that's how you gain rep you know it's the work you do well, it is literally reputation right they've said they'll have a rating ranking or review system if you will kind of like yelp or whatever so if Jeff is on my ship and he unstops the toilet in record time, I can put on his review, you know, really great at plunging toilets. So it's kind of like a preemptive reference. I wonder if they're going to have sections, because it wouldn't make sense to like, oh, five stars, 
because he was great at loading my cargo and somebody's looking for a turret gunner and it says five stars so maybe they'll have sections you can like okay this is the general type of job and you can rate on what they did and then if they didn't you know um stop your toilet you don't have to rate that at least in the game we're building yeah yeah well hopefully uh Deadbug, you know he'll keep following his dream he will become the best damn space sim toilet plunger ever Odin Omen writes in to say, Weekend getaway in the Aquila, listening to Guard Freak on Approach to Castle. Perfect. Our new Patreon this week is Keith DeVault. And our winner is Eric with an IK. Thanks very much for your pledge. We'll put it to good use. I actually took the whole day off work today, so I get the envelope stamped and ready to go. And they're in a mailbox. Ooh. You actually did some work. <laughs> yeah, hopefully with the stickers in them, you haven't just sent off a load of blank envelopes, no? Yeah, uh, and I think I have the right amount of stickers in them too, so. Excellent, excellent. And a reminder of this week's community question, how do you feel about CIG pausing the concept ship sales until Star Marine's released? Would you like to see a schedule of the upcoming concept ship sales so you can better plan your budget? Well, either way, let us know. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. So, how was the show? Did we do a loop-the-loop, or did we faceplant into the asphalt? Either way, let us know. Here are some ways you can get in touch. Check out our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. Leave a comment on this week's show notes at guardfrequency.com. You can subscribe at feeds.guardfrequency.com or find us on iTunes. You can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak and leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot us an email at squawk at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback is an important part of what we do, so take a minute and tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 77 of Guard Frequency. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll be back with episode 78 on June 30th. So be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over at GuardFrequency.com or the official Robert Space Industries fan site subforums. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways that we just ran down, you can also use the contact form on our website. And all the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us can be found in the show notes. Do you like what we do? Want to come help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? If so, just send us a note to squawk at guardfreaks.com and we'll see if we can find you something to do. And if you just can't get enough of spaceship podcasting, why not check out our sister production, Priority One? They cover Star Trek Online and the greater Star Trek universe. Just go to PriorityOnePodcast.com. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? Well, check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com slash orgs forward slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, then you should join us live over at guardfrequency.com forward slash live. We start recording at our new time, which is around 11pm Central, and that's Saturdays at 5am GMT. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Chivalry Bean Lowmaster, and our our artist Simon Carlton Edwards and our audio engineer Michael Duncan. Thanks to our syndication partner The Bass and a special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit ronaldjenkins.com for more of his work. And above all we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust. 2330 Carol 15. Squawk 7700. Stay on the guard. So instead we have the base that... Bah.
knew I was going to stumble on that one. So instead, we have the best damn space sim podcast community. Well, as Tony's what? Not, blah. Wow, what a start! What a start. Okay. In a short two-minute video, we get to see some pretty impressive, uh, impressive shots. <laughs> impressive shots. It sounds like I've been taking some impressive shots. In a short two-minute video, I'm going to take my foot off the mic stand. In a short two-minute video, we get to see some pretty. <laughs> oh, I can't breathe. In a short two-minute video, we get to see some pretty. Imp- <laughs> now I have the giggles, and I get that look from my wife, like, "Why are you saying weird things and associating them with our family?" In a short two-minute video, we get to see see. Mind the whole A, dear. Minding the whole A. <laughs> 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 yes. Look out for the bicycle. What bicycle? <laughs> Watch for the passenger. He's on the sidewalk. <laughs> Helm, give me a ludicrous speed. And uh, following on from their recent successful... I'm going to start that again. <laughs> a Montiado. <laughs> you. Uh, <laughs> you son of a bitch. <clears throat> I will get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. Well, I don't have a dog, but I am pretty. Thanks to our community master. Uh, no, community master. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to our great host, Jace from... What? No. No, Jace, that was last week. You can't have a credit this week as well. These party one people always trying to get in our jam. Man, I so want to play with my toys.